Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. For joining us today, my name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor here. Also want to welcome all of you that aren't a part of Freedom House. Hey, could you do me a favor real quick? Could you just stop what you're doing? I know you may be grabbing some coffee. I know you may be chasing a kid around. You may be working. Would you just stop what you're doing and just stand up right where you are? Get up from the couch. Get up from your lazy boy. Stand up from the kitchen table. And I just want to take a moment, if we can, and let's just honor God. Let's just all as a church in all of our different rooms, let's just honor God And let's just lift his name up for just a minute. Father, we just thank you so much for just an opportunity to have an encounter with you. God, we come into this moment with expectation because we know the atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. And so, Father, we thank you that today is not just another day in your presence, not just another day to be in church or watch church or join with an experience. But God, it's a time for us to connect with you at a whole different level. So Father, we ask you to prepare our hearts. We ask you to prepare our minds, God. We ask you to kind of remove all of what we're thinking about tomorrow, the worries of tomorrow, God, the regrets of yesterday. And Father, we desire just to focus all of our attention, all of our affection, and all of our abilities on you. So God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Father, we pray for our families. We pray for our friends. We pray for all the people that serve with us that we haven't seen in a while. God, we pray for all those people that have been sending us emails and and, and Zoom calls and, and Instagram lives. And Father, we pray for the churches around our country and around our world that are bringing hope to the hopeless, those life-giving churches. We love you, we bless you, and we honor you today. Come on, if you believe that, say right where you are, just say amen. Come on, God, just move today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, I am so fired up today. I am talking, we're we're starting a brand new series called Upper Room. This entire month of May, except for Mother's Day. We'll do a little something different on Mother's Day. My wife always has something really cool planned for Mother's Day. But all the other weekends, we're going to be talking about prayer and our relationship with the Holy Spirit in regards to the upper room. And today I want to talk specifically about what it looks like to have an upper room experience. Okay, so you did so great last week. Do me a favor, make sure you take some notes and make sure you send them to me. Man, you guys take some tremendous notes. I love to see what God is speaking to you. So you can send them to me on, on your Instagram. You can send them to me on your Facebook. If you write them on paper, if you want to copy them and mail them to me, just send them to me in the mail. Whatever you need to do, I want to see what you're learning, what the Spirit of God is teaching you, and specifically today about how to have an upper room experience. If you have your Bibles, grab them. If you have your iPads, grab them. If you have your eyelids, open them. And let's have a great time today. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. We're going to spend a lot of time in Acts over this entire month. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, it says this. It says, and being assembled together with them. This is talking about Jesus and his disciples. I'll explain more about this in a minute. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, 
but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And all you got to do is read John 14, 15, 16, and 17. You can see exactly what that promise was that Jesus was talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized with water, but you... And that includes all of us, the disciples then, and all of, our, all of us as disciples now, shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I love the disciples because they got so distracted. They were so concerned about whether Jesus was going to reform them politically when in what reality he was doing was sending them a revolution spiritually. And so he said, Lord, at this time, they said, Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Come on, say it. Power, power. You got to say it like that. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's keep on reading. It says, and when they had entered, they went up into the upper room. There's the title of our series. We're going to talk about that, where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, talking about all the disciples, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, good name, Bartholomew Maxwell. We thought about if we had a fourth kid, we'd name him Bartholomew. No, I'm just kidding. Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the son of of James. Okay, now let's just unpack this for a second. Because I believe that rooms have power. I think there are specific times, specific rooms that when you get into them, God can change you. I remember in 1992, it was February, I remember it very, very specifically because there was snow on the ground. And I went into a room, into a church room. Now, we know that God doesn't inhabit buildings in the sense of that buildings are set aside specifically for him. He inhabits people now. Um, he did back uh, in the Old Testament. But when Jesus died and was raised from the dead, the Bible says that the veil of the temple w- was torn from top to bottom and the spirit of God was released into the earth and now he lives and abides in each one of us. But there's something specific that happens in rooms. I think think God creates environments. I I believe God creates environments so he can fill those environments. But it's really up to us and how we treat that room. So in February of 1992, I had this amazing encounter with God that every time now that I walk into that room, that's all that I can think of. You know what's interesting about the room that this is talking about, that, that Jesus is referencing and that the disciples were in, is this room was a specific place, an actual, has an actual location, a place that you and I could go to just like your house. If I wanted to go to your address, I could come to your address. And we could visit your house. Well, this room has the same address. It has a, has a place. We could go there right now. If we could jump on a plane and go to Jerusalem, we could go to that actual address. Interestingly enough, it was owned by the mother of John Mark. Now, if you know who John Mark is, Mark was um, the, the disciple who wrote the second gospel. Matter of fact, it was... It was, it was the second gospel, but it was the first gospel. What I mean, it was the first gospel written. It was the second in the order in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Luke, 
And John actually referred to Mark's gospel in order to write their gospels. Isn't that interesting? But his mother, Mary, a single mom, a widowed mom, widowed wife, um, also had a nephew named Barnabas. If you read the New Testament, you also know in the book of Acts that Paul and Barnabas got into a little squabble about a guy by the name of John Mark. Well, this was the house. This was the room. It was Mary's house. Jesus had been in this house many times. He had been there when in the upper room and they had communion together. He also had been in that upper room when he washed the disciples' feet. This was also the upper room that later on, when the disciples were all praying together and the church was all praying together, Peter had been released out of prison by two angels. He went to the house. He knocked on the door, knock, knock, knock. Rhoda comes to the door. She opens the door and goes, oh my gosh, it's you, Peter. You should be in jail. She runs, doesn't even let him in the room, runs into the, the, the prayer meeting says, hey, guys, Peter is outside. She says, they said, you're crazy. Peter's in jail. They said, no, he's standing outside. And they go, no, you're seeing an angel. So she runs, lets Peter in. All, all, I mean, it's just revival breaks out. Rooms can change your life. In this particular room, Jesus was preparing the disciples to have an encounter with him, an incredible moment where God would pour out his spirit in a powerful way and change not only them, but the world. Now, here's the thing. Jesus had explained to the disciples that the Holy Spirit was gonna come and live on the inside of them. Now, they had really no understanding of what he was talking about. They knew what the Bible said in the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. Matter of fact, let me just show you a couple of them. The Holy Spirit came upon Moses, and there were the miracles of deliverance. He came upon Elijah, and the fire of God came down of heaven and licked up the water. It was an amazing miracle. He came upon Gideon, and he destroyed the Midianites with 300 people. He came upon Samson, and because Samson didn't cut his hair, he had feats of strength and, and wrestled people and killed people and all kinds of stuff. He came upon David, and he defeated Goliath. You know, we all have an idea of what happens when the Holy Spirit encounters us. For some of us, I know, you're thinking, now I know... You think when the Holy Spirit comes, things are going to get weird because you've been around people that are weird and they blame it on the Holy Spirit. But let me just say this to you. Okay, listen, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. We know some. There may be some in your room right now with you. Okay, don't, don't point at them right now. That's not the right thing to do. But I want to talk specifically about how the Holy Spirit can come and abide in us, how to have an upper room experience. So let's keep reading the Bible and let's keep digging into what it feels like. What does it look like for us to get? Because here's what I believe. Maybe in the room you're in right now, God can change your life. Maybe when we come back together, I don't know when that's going to be, in this room, I believe God can do something in this room. He's done some tremendous things in this room up until now, but what about heading on? What about can we believe and expect God to do in the rooms that we inhabit? What if we change the idea that we're in isolation and think about that maybe we're in incubation, that God is doing something on the inside and he wants to do something more? Let's keep reading the Bible. Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one. It says, when the day of Pentecost 
had fully come. I want you to underline that if you can in your Bible. Day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, look at somebody around you. If you're by yourself, just look out the window. Say, suddenly, just say it real loud. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a mushing, righty wind. That's how I like to read it. Not rushing, mighty wind, but a mushing, righty wind. It's better to read it that way. That's not what it says, but it says rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse three, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't know if you saw it, but in these few verses, you can see how you can have an upper room experience. And it starts right here. Let me give you four things so that you and I can have an upper room experience. It says in verse one, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Okay, so write this down. We all need a Passover before a Pentecost. Okay, so what is a Pentecost? What is a Passover? Great question, so glad you asked. Pentecost just simply means 50. And it's basically... 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. Passover, you and I both know, was when uh, in the Old Testament, Moses on the last plague, God told the people of Israel to take an unblemished lamb and to kill it, put blood over the doorposts so that the death angel would not take their firstborn. And as the death angel came through, killed all the firstborn that weren't covered in the blood. This was all a type pointing at Jesus Christ. They were also to eat unleavened bread. And as a result, after that, they were delivered out of Egypt, just like when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, we are delivered out of the world into a brand new life. Well, 50 days after Passover is what's called Pentecost. It's also called the Feast of Weeks or the Festival of first fruits or the day of fruit, first fruits. And it simply means this it means new beginning. It's a celebration of the harvest that would come in. Now, what are you talking about, Pastor, when you say you have to need a, you need a Passover before you need a Pentecost? Well, the important thing is when it comes to our Passover, we've got to understand that there are some things in our life that have to happen in order for us to celebrate and get into that place where we can receive all of the harvest or the new thing that God wants to do in our life. So if you want to write this down, in order to experience a Pentecost, you have to leave our past behind. Now, there are two important components to Passover. Follow me here. The first is the lamb, an unblemished lamb. Now, here's what we know. Jesus became that redemption for you and I. In other words, he died on the cross. He shed his blood. He was raised from the dead so that you and I, listen, could go out of our old life and into our new life. That's why when you become a Christian, you're to get water baptized. Water baptized is symbolic of going down one person and coming up a brand new person. So in other words, we, we need to experience a, a, a leaving of our past behind. We've got to walk away from our past. Listen, your past is always going to try to pull you back into it. It will always try to draw you back into regrets and failures and fears and all that stuff that, that went on before Christ, before Jesus, 
And it's exactly what happened to the Israelites when they got out of Egypt. You know what they said? We want to go back. We want to go back. We want to go back to Egypt because of the cucumbers. And so that's what happens to us. Because we don't experience all of what God has for us right away, we have to go through a little bit of a wilderness time. We have to, we have to face some trials. We think, oh, God doesn't care about us. And, and we start thinking back in our past, it was better. When Let's be real. They were in bondage. They were slaves. Your past is not nearly as good as your present. And I can tell you, it's not going to even be close to what God has for you in the future. So in order to experience a harvest, a a Pentecost, you have to leave some of your old stuff behind. And for some of us right now, there's some stuff we're still holding on. We're holding on to some relationships. We're holding on to some thoughts. We're holding on to some habits that are pulling us right back into who we used to be. And God wants more out of you. That's why he gives us a Pentecost. Second thing is in order to experience a Pentecost, we have to leave the world behind. We have to leave the world behind. We have to leave the world alone. Second component of Passover was unleavened bread. Now, here's something really cool in my studies I found out. Before the Jews would ever have a Passover, here's what they would do. They would clean their entire house. I mean, spick and span, everything. They would get all the yeast out. That's what leaven is. They would get all the leaven, all the yeast out of their kitchen, but then they would clean everything out of their house. They would, there would not be, when Passover came, there was not a speck of dust, no dust bunnies under, under the refrigerator. Everything was spotless. Now, what did this mean? This meant that they were trying to clean everything away, the distractions of their life, so that they could focus on the deliverance that God would provide for them. Sometimes you and I have to leave the world alone. Matter of fact, Jesus said, though you live in the world, you are not of the world. What I'm talking about is holiness. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We don't like to talk about holiness because that gets in the way of our freedoms, we think. But see, one of the things that's important in order for us to have that Pentecost, to have that new harvest, is we've got to let go of the world that's holding on to us. The habits, the the things that we think that you know are contrary to the word of God that we have to let go of. Here's Here's what Paul said. He said, therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Since you are truly Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven. We got to let go of those old things, the things that attach to us from the world, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Another way to say this, it's not enough to believe in Jesus. We have to follow the word of God completely. Look at me real quick. Everybody look at me. Everybody believes in Jesus, especially here in North Carolina. You go, you go anywhere, you talk to anybody, mask or not, they all will say, I believe in Jesus. Now, the bad thing is, is they've ripped out pieces and pages of the Bible that they don't like because they say, oh, that's not cultural. No, no, no. You can't do that. You can't decide how much of God you want when he wants all of you. That doesn't work like that. It's like in marriage. You just can't throw out the parts that you don't like and just love the parts that you do. 
No, when I married my wife, I married all of her. And guess what? She married all of me. All my strengths, all my weaknesses, all my underwear on the floor, all my snoring, everything comes with it. And that's the way it is with us. When it comes to the word of God, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus, especially in the days that you and I live in right now. It's not, just, it's not enough just to believe that Jesus is Lord. Can I tell you something? The devil even believes Jesus is king. Okay, it's not enough to believe. You have to follow the word of God completely. And the only way we can do that, listen to me, is with a Pentecost. The only way we can do that is when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us up to a place where we can live a power-filled life. You gotta, you gotta have a Passover before you can have a Pentecost. Number two, write this down. They were all with one accord in one place. Number two is we all need to be together. I like what it says. It says they were all with one accord in one place. It almost sounds like the writer of the book of Acts is repeating himself. But what he's saying is that they were, they were together in heart and also in position. Now, I don't know if you've been watching uh, this new show that came on recently. I think it's in episode four now or five or something like that called The Last Dance. I was a huge Michael Jordan fan uh, growing up. And, and in, the early, in the 1990, I think 96, 97, 98, that's what the whole show's about is kind of the last year that, that Phil Jackson was the coach. And, and here's what I love about it. I love the fact that, that Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, that whole team, that it was so cool because even though there were all these outside influences, all of these things that were happening around them, if you notice how they did the interviews, they never really talked bad about each other because they knew they were one team. In order during that time to win six world championships, they had to be together. How important is it now for us as the church to be in one accord and in one place? Here's how Jesus made the statement in Matthew chapter 18. He said, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So if two of us get together and we just pray, if we just, if we just agree it's touching anything. What is anything? Anything. It's anything. What do you need? As long as it lines up with God's word, you get two people together, heaven starts to listen to you. And then he says, for where two or three are gathered together, there it is, in one accord, in one place, in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Here's what Jesus is saying. When we get to, in one accord, in one place, another way to say it is when we plant ourselves together, when we are able to overcome uh, the issues that we have with each other, because we're always gonna have issues with each other. As long as church exists and people come to it, we're gonna have problems because there's somebody that don't like, that you don't like, and there's somebody that don't like you. I know you're Christian, but the, tr the truth is, is we, we still fuss and fight and we have offense, we have to get over it. But if we can just stay together, then we can have a Pentecost. We can have that upper room experience. We can see God move in such a powerful way. You got to stay planted though. Uh, this, this month, uh, I, had a, I told you last week, I had this sewer go through my, my yard and it backed up. And, and so there was a tree that was growing down and it went into the, the sewer line and blocked it up. And they told me that I might lose the tree. Let me tell you what happened. As soon as they dug it out, 
I mean, the roots, there were still some roots connected, but as soon as those roots got disconnected from the ground, the tree immediately withered. As if you decide to remove yourself from the church and displant, if you remove yourself, what's going to happen? If you don't plant yourself back, if you don't get yourself connected, you will wilt in your life. It's so important. The Bible says, plant yourself in the house of the Lord and you'll flourish in the courts of God. Plant yourself. Here's the third thing. Third thing, it says, and suddenly, I love this part. This is a good part. It says, and suddenly, there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind or a mushing righty wind, if you want to say it the correct way. Suddenly, come on, say it with me. Say suddenly. We all need a suddenly. Some of you need a suddenly right now. You need a suddenly in your job. You need a suddenly in your marriage. You need a suddenly with your kids. You need a suddenly. You need, you need a, money, a money suddenly. What is a suddenly? It's the suddenlies of God that reverse the setbacks of life. The suddenlies of God. The suddenlies of God of when you're, you've kind of done everything that you can do. You're at the end of your line. You, you, are, you, you are at the period of your sentence and God says, no, a comma goes there, I'm gonna show up big. I, I like to say it this way. Suddenlies are God shows up where you don't expect it and God shows off in ways we can't explain. That's what a suddenly is. A suddenly is like some prophets who were cutting wood and they had an ax head fly off of the handle. I've had that happen before, except this time when the handle flew off, uh, the ax head flew and fell into a lake. There was another prophet, Elisha, that came along. What's going on, fellas? Oh, Elisha, we were chopping some wood, and, and we, were, we, we just borrowed this ax, and we ain't got no money, Elisha, and we were chopping the wood, and, and we went back, and it flew off, and it fell in the lake. It's right over there in the bottom of the lake, and it's cold, and I ain't going in there. And Elisha said, let me just pray. And suddenly, the ax head floated to the top. Let me tell you something. The ax heads don't float. That's a suddenly. A suddenly is when three Hebrew boys have decided not to bow their knee to the God of Nebuchadnezzar. And suddenly, as they were thrown into the fiery furnace, there weren't three, there were four that showed up. And then the, the king decided that he was going to start serving the real God. What are the sudden? The suddenlies, let me tell you, suddenly that happened to me this week. Okay, I was renting this house from this guy. I told you all these problems I'm having. And so I go outside because the guy that rented the house said, hey, I want to come by, get in my garage. I'm like, cool, man, come on by, get, get whatever you need out of the garage. And, and so he called me and said, hey, can I come by right now? I'm like, sure, whatever. He knocks on the door. Hey, I'm here. You need to move your car. Okay, check this out. This is a suddenly. I go outside and, and I walk up to him and we, you know, we kind of, you know, elbow bump because that's what you do now. And, and, and he goes, hey, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. He goes, I know you're a pastor do you think somebody in your congregation can use a truck? And I'm like, what? I'm thinking in my head, a truck? What are you talking about? And I said, do you, do you mean buy a truck? And he goes, no, I have one in the garage. I'd like to give it to you. Hello, suddenly Freedom House got a new truck. Hello, that's, that is a suddenly. You know how you get suddenly? Ask God for him. You know how you get suddenlies? You prepare for them. You know how you get suddenlies? You expect the unexpected. You don't box God in. You don't tell him he has to live this way and operate this way. No, you get suddenlies 
by living outside of that and saying, God, I want you to show up in my life. God, I want you to show up in my family. Suddenlies will happen when you are at the end of you. Some of you are at the end of your sentence and God says, suddenly it's gonna happen. Some of you gonna walk out to your mailbox and suddenly there's gonna be a little extra money in there. Some of you gonna walk, go, need, go on the internet and suddenly you're gonna get a job. All you gotta do is believe for it. I wasn't even expecting a new truck wasn't really new. It was like a 1983, but it was a pretty cool truck. I mean, we can use the truck. It's pretty awesome. I didn't even know the guy. Suddenly, look at your neighbor. Come on, look at, look at somebody right there in your house and just look at him and say, suddenly. And if it's your neighbor, you can really look at him and say that. You can just say to him, suddenly. All right, let's go, let's go to the last one. And when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, here's what I wanted to get to. We all need to be filled. We all need to be filled. Here's where Jesus was pointing the disciples to this moment, to this moment. He told them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I want you to wait. Here, actually, here's what he said before he even died on the cross. He said, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are, and I want you to think about these two words, until you are endued with power. The word endued means to be clothed with. It means to get into. It means to step into. It's like, it's like putting a coat on and that coat completely enveloping you, completely covering you to the point where you can't see the difference between you and what you have on. And then this word power. There's a lot of different words for power in the Greek New Testament. This is the Greek word dunamis. And it simply means dynamite. So here's what I want you to hear what Jesus is telling us. And this is where I want to close today. He says, he told the disciples, wait in Jerusalem. Go to that room that I've designated for you. That place that I've put you in. That location. Let go of the world. You got to have a Passover. Let go of your past. Get yourself prepared. Get your heart prepared. See, here, here's what happened, guys. There were 500 that started in that upper room. But just after 10 days, it was down to 120. 380 of them had decided to not wait. They walked away from the greatest outpouring of heaven. Jesus said, you're going to be endued. You're going to be clothed with dynamite. In other words, you're going to be immersed in an explosive, power-filled life. Now, here, here's what happens to us. Jesus made this statement in John 14. It says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Follow me real quickly. When you became a Christian, or maybe today you haven't made that decision, the Holy Spirit is the person that draws us to the Father. And when you become a Christian, it is the witness of the Holy Spirit that keeps us connected with the Father. However, Jesus said, and will be in you. So not only does he say he'll dwell with you to bring you to the Father, but he lets us know that there's something else that he wants to do. There's another step 
And this is exactly what happened in that upper room. Is that God poured out his spirit and those disciples birthed the New Testament church. And now we, you and me, each one of us, have the ability to receive and be endued with power. What does that look like? Let me give you a picture. I know you've been looking over here at these saws the whole time. Let me give you a picture. This is just a little hand saw. And you know what? I could go into any forest, any woods with any trees, and I can saw down a tree. I can, I can, you know, any size tree, pretty much. I mean, probably about as wide as this or half as wide. I could saw it. It'd take a long time, but I could saw that tree and I could see that tree fall down. I could, I could, I could use this to see trees fall down in a forest or I could use this. I could go into any forest and I could use this. Now, it's a saw, but it's powerful. This saw, I could go through a tree way faster than I could using this saw. See, this is what Jesus was letting us know. You have two ways that you can live your life. You can either live your life with this saw, or you can decide right now, say, God, I want to be clothed, filled with, covered with, immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is what we're going to do today. I'm going to pray for you in the room that you're sitting in. And we're going to pray for this kind of power to come upon our life because Jesus promised that we could receive, be immersed in, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you just close your eyes with me right now? Close your eyes right where you are. And I want to pray for you. Father, I ask you right now for every person within the sound of my voice. God, that wherever they're sitting, whatever room that they're in, God, it would become that upper room. God, as they let go of their past, as they let go of the world that's held on to them, God, that you would come and you would fill them to overflowing. Come on, keep your eyes closed. If you're here with me right now and, and, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, just pray this prayer with me. Just pray it with me right now. Say, Jesus, come on, say it. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead for me. Today, I start a brand new life. Now, if you want that power in your life, if you want to go from a handsaw to, to a powerful chainsaw kind of life, I just want you to pray this prayer. Come on, just receive the Holy Spirit right where you are. Maybe, maybe you received him. But how about a fresh infilling? I think we need a fresh filling of the power and the presence of God right now. Let's just ask him right now to come and fill us right now. Father, come right now. Holy Spirit, come. Just ask him in your own words. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. I want to live the life that you've called me to live. I want to live a power-filled life. Power in my prayer. Power in my worship. Power in my life. Holy Spirit, come right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, I loved being with you today. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful week.